So great to see you all today. I am uh, Matt Wolf, the lead pastor here. If you don't know me, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, isn't it great to welcome in five new members today? Isn't that cool? Yeah, praise God. You know, it's, it's been an exciting couple weeks here. Just last Sunday, we had seven baptisms. That was pretty amazing, too. Um, so that was really cool. Um, you know, it, it's so great to be here, part of this church, and I'm glad that you're here, that you can be a part of it as well. Um, we are in the last week in our series called Come and Follow. And if you missed any of those, we have the audio and video available on our website, stapletonchurch.com. Um, and today we're finishing up this series, Come and Follow, when we're looking at the call of Jesus and how that leads us as a church. And next week, you better be back, because we're starting a new series through the life of Elijah. Elijah. And we're calling that series Fire from Heaven. Um, I think Kevin's getting the curtains, but I think we have a slide for that too. Um, so make sure you're here next week for that. My wife has been bugging me for a long time to preach through the life of Elijah. And finally I said, okay, I think God's leading me to it. Um, so I'm excited about the series. I hope you are as well. Uh, it's going to be great starting next week. But today we're finishing up our series, Come and Follow, with our last week. And it's not come and like we have seen every other week in the six-week sermon. Today is go and make. Go and make. That's the name of our sermon today. So there's a story, you may have heard it before, but there's a man passing through the English countryside. And as he's walking on this journey, he comes upon a construction site. And he goes up to this site and he sees a bunch of workers working. So he goes up to the first worker and he said, so what are you doing? And the man says, I'm laying bricks. He's there laying bricks, putting down everything and then he goes to the next worker and he says well what are you working on and this guy says i am building a wall and then he goes to the third worker and the man asks him well what are you doing and he says i am building a castle see all three men were engaged in the exact same task but each one had a different perspective on what they were doing because that third man finally really understood what the bigger picture was of that little task he was doing he had a bigger vision so I hope in this series we're going to see the bigger vision and especially in this message today because we're going to wrap up our series and see that this call of Jesus that he's given to us and he just simply said, follow me. To the people when he was doing his ministry, he just said, come follow me. And he says the same thing to us, just follow me. And we've seen different segments of this journey. We have this arrow that we've seen throughout our series that just starts out at the beginning. Jesus just told people, come and see. Just come and see. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't even have to believe in me. You can think I'm crazy. You can be a little skeptical, have doubts. That's fine. Just come and see. But then as people began to see Jesus and realize there's something different and unique about him, they began to believe. And that's when Jesus said, come and rest. Come and rest and find um, rest for your soul, salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, healing. That's all available. But then he says, that's not enough. That's not enough. I want you to grow in your faith. And he challenged people to remain in him. So that was the third part of that segment, come and remain. Because I, he said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to pray and develop this spiritual disciplines in your life, reading the Bible, growing, producing fruit in your life. But that's not even enough either. He said, no, there's this next part, come and die, that we saw last week. If you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself to live for me and to live for others. So this whole journey, it's all part of following Jesus. It's all part of being a believer. It starts out, you don't even know, and then you're giving your life for others. So we've seen that call now really specifically about our individual lives, that we're all called that way by Jesus. But I want today to, uh, for us to especially see that it's not just an individual call, but it's a collective call. That as a church, 
It's our task, our job, our mission to help other people go through that journey as well. To take people along from one step to the next, to the next, to the next. To help others follow Jesus. And that's our mission statement. So I'm going to start out right now with the big idea of our passage and of our message and of our church. Okay, Helping people follow Jesus is our mission. That's the big idea. Pretty simple. It's going to be straight from the scripture. It's going to be straight part of our mission statement here. Helping people follow Jesus. And that's our big idea for the message today. Pretty simple. Helping people follow Jesus. That's our mission. It's our mission. That's what we're all about. And I want to throw back up the arrow. Kevin, if we can do that. Because you see this arrow. A lot of us are like, well, what does that mean to help people follow Jesus? And that's what I want us to see today. Because the the thing is that every interaction as Christians that we have with other people around us is either bringing people on this direction of the arrow, closer to Jesus, more like him, or it can push them the other way. So if people meet you and you're mean and snotty and judgmental and they know you're a Christian, they might get pushed farther away from Jesus. Or if you're kind and encouraging and you send them a note that that encourages them when they're at a downtime or you drive them to the doctor when they're having a difficult procedure going on or you visit them at the hospital or, or you become friends with someone and you care about them and you invite them to church and you do all these things for other people, it can drive them closer, right? So I want us to see that every interaction we have as people and as a church, as individuals, is so that we can help people follow Jesus. We want our interactions. We want our lifestyle. We want the things that we do as a church and as individuals to help people follow Jesus. Bring them just a little bit closer and closer and closer and closer on that arrow so that they too can become like Jesus and find eternal life. So that's our mission, helping people follow Jesus. So let's look at our passage where we get this big idea from. In Matthew 28... We're going to look at this passage, which is called the Great Commission, starting in verse 18 of Matthew 28. This is Jesus after he has died on the cross and after he's been raised from the dead, but before he's ascended into heaven. He's talking to his 12 disciples before he leaves the earth. And this is what he says to them. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. Now, when we see this passage, there's a commandment in there, right? That's the commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. He said, okay, there's one last thing that you have to do. It's so important. It's the Great Commission, that's what we call it, because it's so important. And in the commandment, starting in verse 19, you'll see four different verbs in the English. Do you see that? Let's look at this next slide. Go, make disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Now, those verbs are important, and they're going to kind of frame our message for today. But in the English, we just see those four verbs. But in the Greek, there's only one of those verbs that's the main verb, and the rest are adverbial participles. If you remember what that is from grammar. So there's one main verb, and then there's three verbs that tell you how to do that main verb. Does that make sense? What, what do you guys think it is? No, not go. It's the second one. Make disciples. Make disciples. And we'll see that in the next slide. Make disciples is actually the only one that's a true verb in the Greek. In the Greek. And all the other verbs modify it. So how do you make disciples? Well, you have to go. Well, and then what do you do when you go? Well, you baptize them and teach them. So all the other verbs modify this one. So I say that because this is the most important thing. So even if you have a Bible, I want you to circle that or underline it so you know make disciples is what it's all about. 
So making disciples is not one part of the Great Commission. It is the Great Commission. It's not part of the mission. It is the mission. And a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. So in the ancient world, there was a rabbi, a teacher, and he would take along people to learn from him. There was a saying that we've heard that the disciple is someone who's covered in the dust of a rabbi because they would follow him, live around them and, and learn from them and then eventually become like them. That's what a disciple is supposed to do. It's a follower. So when we say helping people follow Jesus, that's what we're talking about. We're making disciples. We're making disciples. We want everybody to be following Jesus and learning from him and learning to become like him. Dawson Trotman once said that the primary fruit of a Christian is another Christian. It's the primary fruit. There's a lot of things we do. We serve others. We love. We do these great things. But the primary fruit... The thing that we're all about is helping others follow Jesus, making other Christians. So I say this because when we, when we see that arrow, our mission is to help people follow Jesus, to bring them closer to him. And you may be like, Matt, I'm not very good at evangelism. I'm, I'm afraid to share my faith. Well, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But our job is just to get people a little bit closer. Can we do something to help them follow Jesus? And it takes a whole church to do this. Because some of us may be really good at one aspect and not at the other. And we need somebody else in the church to come along. You might be like, I'm, I'm really good at this, but not that. And that's why we all do this as a church. So whatever you do as an individual, come together as a church. We're helping people follow Jesus. Maybe you serve as a greeter on a Sunday morning. And when you welcome someone in, instead of coming into a church and, and they feel foreign and awkward and they're like, I don't know when to stand or sit, they're being welcomed and saying, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. You're helping that person just a little bit come closer to Jesus. So we'll talk about that a little more as we go throughout the message. But I want you to see that our mission is to help people follow Jesus. And in this, like I said, there's the four different verbs. So we're going to see four different stages, four different ways that we help people follow Jesus. And they are going to all start with S, so you can remember. Last week I had four Ds. Does anybody remember what the four Ds were? Denial. Daily. Death. Deliverance. Okay, yeah, those are the four Ds of that come and die phase. But today we're going to see four S's, so I hope that you can remember this because this is what our mission is. So the first S is to seek people who don't follow Jesus. It's the first thing we do when we want to help people follow Jesus. We've got to seek after the people who don't. Seek after the people who don't. And, and that's what it says there in verse 19. It begins by saying, therefore, go. Therefore, go. The first thing we have to do is seek after people who don't know Jesus. It doesn't say, I want you to make disciples, so sit on your duff. Just stay home and pray that there will be miracles that happen that lead people to know me. Or, or I'll take care of it, I'll send angels to people and to tell them the good news. You just stay at home. Be comfortable. Now it says, therefore, go. So it starts out by seeking the people who don't know Jesus. Seeking the people who don't follow him right now. That's what it starts with. I just want you to imagine for a minute what it would be like if those 12 disciples had decided to stay home. They're like, man, we had a great time, an amazing experience, three years with Jesus, and then we saw him rise from the dead, so let's stay home. Man, that would have been sad for us. What about the Apostle Paul? If he said, okay, I, I know that I need to bring the gospel to all the Roman world, and even to Rome, even if it cost me his life, but I have some shows to catch up on Netflix. So I'm just going to stay home. No, no, no. We've got to go first. We've got to seek after the people who don't follow Jesus. It's our job. 
I remember once preaching a message on the, on the book of James and the very last section talks about seeking after people who are, are in sin and bringing them back to the faith. Maybe you know this verse. And after I preached that message at my last church in Nebraska, as people were leaving the church, a young man that was a good friend of mine came up to me and he said, Matt, thank you so much for seeking after me. And I, I was like trying to hold it together and not cry right there because he knew that somebody had sought after him. And, and there was other people involved. I didn't even invite him to church. Somebody else did. But we were all part of this as a church helping him follow Jesus. And he said, thank you so much for seeking after me, not just sitting at home and doing whatever you want. He said, we have to seek after people. In Acts chapter 1, 8, um, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, said this, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem. That's their hometown. And all Judea, their whole country. In Samaria, the, the country next door. And everywhere in the world. You've got to go. It starts out at home, but it's everywhere. We have to seek after the people who don't know me. That's what Jesus said. And if you're thinking, well, Matt, I have a life here. I'm busy. I, I have this work. I have all this stuff that I'm doing. Um, I don't know if I can go to Djibouti. And reach lost tribes in Africa. I don't know if I can go to Micronesia, Matt, because I don't even know where that is. That's okay. Some people are called to go overseas. It does say make disciples of all nations. But all of us are called to go. And here's the thing. You can interpret that, some people say, as, as you are going, make disciples. Because we all go all the time. You go to work. You go to the park with your kids. You go to work out if you're having a good week. You go to the grocery store. You go to the coffee shop with your friend. You go to that restaurant every Thursday night to watch the game. You're going always in your life. So it's while you're doing that going throughout your life, that's when you're supposed to help people follow Jesus. Instead of just going about your life, you're supposed to go with intentionality. There's a purpose to every place you go in your life. There are people everywhere around you that don't know Jesus. Isn't that true? There... Um, they say that there are, um, let me look at this number, that there are 120 million unchurched people in North America. 120 million people around us. They say that right here, where we are, is the biggest mission field in all of the Western Hemisphere. Did you know that? People from all over the world are moving here. Even into Denver, right? We know that there's immigrants coming in, there's refugees, and they live down the street from us. This is an amazing opportunity we have that the nations are here among us. Did you know that this mission field in America is the fifth largest in the entire world for people who don't know Jesus? So some are called to go across the world, but all of us are called to go, to be intentional about our lives. Now, I, I talked with a guy this week, and he's thinking about going overseas to be a missionary. And he said, you know what I realized through this process? I said, Matt, I am called to be a missionary. The question is, is whether it's here or there. And I think that's what we should all think about. We're all called to be missionaries, to share the gospel, to help people follow Jesus. And we're all supposed to do it as we're going. So some of us go, some of us are here. But we're all going somewhere. Charles Spurgeon once said, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So this is our mission field. So what I want to challenge you guys to do, to go, is to invest in relationships. Because it's not just a place that we go to, but it's to go to the people, to all nations, it says. 
all people groups, all ethnicities. So we're supposed to have relationships with people and develop relationships. Some of us already have good relationships with people. They're family members, friends, co-workers that don't know Jesus. But we can always invest in more. So that's what we want to do. We want to invest in those relationships. We want to get to know people, not just superficially, but, but hey, hey, let's get coffee. Let's talk. Come over to my house. I'll, I'll have you over for dinner. People that we don't know if, if they are believing at all because that was that come and see phase, right? So not only did Jesus say, just come and see, check it out. You might be skeptical, but we're supposed to do the same thing. You might be skeptical. You might be a doubter. You might think Christianity's bunk. That's okay. We seek after those people and we invest in relationships with them. We get to know them. A good thing is to become a regular somewhere because when you're a regular there and you're there every Thursday morning at the coffee shop or you know every Monday night to watch Monday Night Football at that bar, you're always there every week and you're getting to know the people around you or you're investing in those relationships. And you're going there not to just get some wings to watch the game, but you're going there to make disciples, to help people follow Jesus. Did you know that only 10% of people, according to one study, only 10% of people come to faith in Jesus Christ through a pastor. You know, I would love to lead more people to Christ. And and I I do, and I I want to. But I can't do it all. If only 10% of people come to faith through a pastor, you guys are the majority of people. They they say the majority of people come to faith because of a friend or a relative. That's the biggest number. So it's all of our job to help people follow Jesus. And here's the thing. As you're investing in these relationships... We're going to then invite them. That's a simple way to remember that. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. And that's our second point. Our second S is start them on their journey. We seek them out and then we start them on their journey. Did you notice again in verse 19 it said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We had some great baptism last week. Seven people got baptized. And it was amazing because baptism... Baptism is a way that people say, hey, I'm starting my journey. I'm declaring to the world that I believe in Jesus, that I'm a follower of Jesus. It's this public declaration of their their start of their journey. Um, And that's so important. That's what it's saying. We've got to start people off. Jesus didn't say, you know, I think we need a few more rituals that we need to do so we can have a very um, proper worship service, so we need to have baptism. No, no. He said baptism is a great way to symbolize dying and rising. It's a great way of symbolizing being washed of all your sins. So he said, we, we do that so we can start people on their journey. That's why baptism is part of the way to help people follow Jesus and make disciples. Did you notice um, also in our baptisms, I, I baptized a couple people and, and Bill Carson did and Matthew Dion baptized his son. But for every single person that was baptized, we had them ask one person who was very influential in their spiritual journey to help them. And that person was there to help them into the water and to give them a towel afterwards because that person helped start them on their journey. person helped start them on their journey. And I want every single one of you to have that opportunity. We're going to have more baptisms here. I want you to be the person helping someone. You're like, I've already been baptized, Matt, but you get to be the person helping them into the water. And that's an amazing thing to be a part of. Did you know every single one of us in here had someone help us start our journey? Maybe it was multiple people, but we all had someone and I want you to think about that person who really was influential in starting you on your journey. Maybe it was a parent, a friend, a spouse, someone you were in a relationship with, someone that didn't even like you, but they invited you to church. You know, there's all these different people, so we all have someone. And, and this is how it's always been. John Bunyan, who wrote one of the most popular Christian books of all time called Pilgrim's Progress, he was led to faith by three elderly women 
who would sit on the porch of their church and knit. And they led this young man to Christ and he ended up becoming one of the best Christian writers of all time. Or how about George Mueller, who opened up an orphanage in England that reached, um, in that one orphanage, had over 10,000 orphans come through in his lifetime. And then he planted, or I'm sorry, he started over 117 schools that offered education to people like orphans who had no access to education. And 120,000 kids were impacted. And he was led to Jesus, started on his journey by a friend. Just one friend. You can have that much of an impact. Or what about Dwight Moody, the great evangelist? He spoke publicly about Jesus Christ and the gospel to an estimated 100 million people. He was started on his journey with Jesus by a Sunday school teacher. So we all have someone, and that we are called to do that, to start someone else on their journey. So we need some volunteers and elevate kids. Sunday mornings, you may be the one who's with the kid when he decides, I do believe in Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. Or, or you may have seen those baptisms last week, five teenagers giving their lives to Christ. And you're like, I want to be a turbulence on Wednesday nights because I want to help some more teenagers follow Jesus. Or in a community group, there are all sorts of different ways. We're just starting people off on that journey. So if that come and see was seeking after people, it's, it's the come and rest when we're helping start people on their journey. That's when they're finding salvation. That's an amazing thing to be a part of. And I want you all to do that. And if you're saying, well, Matt, I don't know enough. I, I barely know what the word Genesis is. I think it's in the beginning, right? Beginning of the Bible. You're like, I don't know anything. But the thing is, when you're looking at that arrow, you only really have to be one step ahead of someone. We saw that in the, in the message, Come and See, because Andrew, Jesus came to him and said, hey, come follow me. And Andrew, the moment after that happened, he went home and found his brother Simon, and he said, hey, Simon, come follow Jesus with me. He was starting someone on the journey too, and he was just a step ahead. He didn't know anything. You only have to be a step ahead. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know it all. Even from the beginning, you can start people on their journey. D.T. Niles once said, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's all it is. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the answers. Sorry. I don't know how Genesis and, and creation and evolution fit together. But, but I know that Jesus has something that you need. Come follow him. Come check it out. And if you're thinking, well, Matt, I'm not bold enough, you're lying. Here's how I know that. Because everyone I know is bold about something. And they brag about something. Because they're like, this restaurant I tried last week, oh, it was delicious. You have to go there. Or they'll say, did you see that show? You've got to watch that show. That movie, oh, it's amazing. Or, or they'll say, guess what concert I went to? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I wish you were there. Next time they're in town, we've got to go together. We all do that about different things. Maybe you just started a diet and you're like, oh, I feel so great. You've got to try the diet too. We're all evangelists about something. We all are bold about something. So let's be bold about Jesus who transforms lives. And, and did you know this? They say on average it takes seven invitations to church before someone actually comes. So if you're like, well, Matt, I invited that person and they said no, so I'm just discouraged. Well, you got six more times on average for them to show up. On average, okay? We've got to be bold. We've got to be bold and start people on their journey. And, and what's amazing as we do that, then we're going to want them to grow in their faith. And that's our third S, is saturate them in Jesus saturate them in Jesus. That third phase was come and remain and you develop this relationship with Jesus and grow and begin to bear fruit in your life. Saturate them in Jesus. 
In verse 20 of the Great Commission, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's part of making disciples. It's not lead them to Christ and they're going to be good on their own. No, no, we've got to teach them everything Jesus said and did. To obey it, too. We've got to saturate them in Jesus. Point them always to Jesus. You know, in our culture, if you have a child and you don't feed that child, what do we call that? Neglect. Child abuse. And yet, that seems to happen in the Christian world sometimes. People come to faith. We get so excited about someone raising their hand, accepting Christ, coming down to the altar, saying the sinner's prayer. That's amazing. We want to see that more and more of that. More baptisms, more all of that. But then, if, if we don't feed them, if we don't saturate them in Jesus, that's spiritual child neglect. We've got to saturate them in Jesus. This is part of the process of making a disciple. Um, Bill Hull once said, make disciples, not converts. Did you notice that's what it says? I had this wrong for a lot of years, but it says make disciples, not converts. This does not mean I don't make converts. Neither does it mean to not include evangelism in your plans in life. It means that introducing someone to Christ is only a step in the process of making a mature, reproducing disciple. The directions say make disciples because the entire process is the goal. That's why making disciples is that whole journey. Helping people follow Jesus is that whole journey. Starting them off, leading them on. You know, I'm so thankful for the people who helped me know Jesus. My parents, they're here today. I'm so thankful that they're here. They, they helped me to know Jesus, brought me to church, shared the gospel with me. I'm so thankful for them. But I'm also thankful for Chris Rothschild, who was on my dorm floor freshman year of college when I was 18. And he bugged me and said, hey, we've got to go check out this Christian organization called The Navigators. A Friday night, Friday night in college. And we went on Friday night. And then I got plugged in there, and I'm so thankful for Dave Bachman, who took me under his wing, one of the leaders there, and started meeting with me weekly to pray with me and to teach me, to help me memorize scripture and learn to read the Bible. So thankful for those people for saturating me in Jesus, helping me grow in my faith. Because that was all part of my process of becoming a disciple. And we all have that as well. George Whitfield, the great preacher during the Great Awakening, was once asked after a big, uh, he had this great revival preaching and Someone said, oh, how many converts did you have? He said, well, ask me again in six months. We'll have a better sense then. Because it, it's the whole process of this that we're making disciples, that we're helping people follow Jesus. So, so this is going to require things like our community groups because it takes a group of people around you that kind of hold you accountable, encourage you, or, or nudge you. You know, you're not doing what you're supposed to. You know, we need those friends around us. We need a community group. We need people around us to challenge us to get into our Bibles and develop our prayer life. We have a prayer team here that meets Tuesday nights and between the services Sunday morning so you can learn to pray. Um, and, and this is just an amazing way that you can be saturated in Jesus. And if you're thinking, well, well Matt, I thought we want to reach the lost. We want to reach more people. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why we need to saturate them in Jesus because that leads us to the fourth S. We have to do that because then we can send them out. We can send them to help others follow Jesus. We can send them to help others. If they don't grow and develop, it's going to be harder for them to be sent out to go. And yes, the going go happens the whole time. At the very beginning, you can be leading someone along. But we have to continue to help them grow and develop so that they can make even more disciples. Healthy things reproduce. We talk about that, you know, you see it with animals, with plants. If they're healthy, they reproduce. A healthy Christian reproduces themselves. Healthy Christian helps other people follow Jesus. 
In 2 Timothy 2.2, it's this great verse. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy, a young uh, pastor he's training, and he says, What you have heard me teach publicly, you should teach to others. Share these teachings with people you can trust. Then they will be able to teach others these same things. In that one verse, we see four generations of followers of Jesus. One person is telling another, is telling another, is telling another. That's how it goes, this reproduction, this chain of discipleship. So if you're saying, well, Matt, you know, I I don't know if I can do that to reproduce myself. It seems crazy. I've never done that. That's why I'm saying the whole process is making disciples. The whole thing is about helping people follow Jesus. So you may be the person who's really good at going out there, investing in the lives of others, and inviting them to church. You may be like, yeah, I, all my coworkers have come to church already. I, I just got saved last week and I you know, invited my family. Okay, that's awesome. You're good at that. But some of you are saying, hey, I'm really good at praying with people in a Bible study and, and just really delving deeper. I, you know, I love going into Lamentations chapter 3 with people and showing them the Hebrew. And, and that may be you. And, and, and That's great because you're helping people get saturated in Jesus. We all have a role to play in the church. That's why we need each other. The body. It's a family. We all have a part to play and we can all serve in different roles to help people follow Jesus. So I want you to join in this teamwork. Join in this collaboration. Join in this mission that we have here. Because it is our mission. It was the mission that Jesus commanded his 12 disciples and in turn commanded us. Helping people follow Jesus is our mission. It's our mission. I want to show this arrow one more time so that as you see in this great commission, we can take those four S's and put them right on top of the call of Jesus. Because just as Jesus went and had people come and see, come and rest, come and remain, and then come and die, we too seek people who are skeptical and don't know Jesus. We we start people on their journey so they can find that rest and salvation. And then we saturate them with Jesus so they can remain in Him and develop this relationship. And then we send them out so they can go they can go and make more disciples. Jesus said in John twenty twenty one, Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I want you to see this because the exact same thing that Jesus did, we are called to do. Jesus didn't set up this new thing, but he had shown his disciples for three years what they were supposed to do. And he said, just go do, and like, do likewise. Because our Father in Heaven didn't see us in our sin rebelling against us and think, rebelling against Him and think, you know, I'm in Heaven. It's comfortable up here. I have angels worshiping me. I don't, I don't need them. But no, He loved us so much that He wanted to seek after us and He sent His own Son to do that. And Jesus sought after us while we were still sinners. And He became human like us 100% in every respect. And He did that to seek after us while we were sinners. And then he asked people to follow him, to find that rest, to start them on their journey of faith. And then he saturated himself by teaching them uh, these parables and all these different ways to live and showing them how to be loving to the lost. And then he sent them out before he left, right? And throughout this whole process, he knew that he was going to give his entire life for it. And he did, by dying on the cross. You know, I had the privilege this last week, Bill Carson and I, went to an event hosted or with Andy Stanley at Denver Seminary. And Andy Stanley said this. He, he said, you know, when Jesus died, there were zero disciples. There weren't 12. All of them abandoned Jesus. There was no one standing outside the grave going, 10, 
nine, eight, seven. Nobody expected Jesus to come back from the dead. They'd all left. But he did come back from the dead, proving that he has power over even death and sin to give us purpose and eternal life and joy. And it was in that power that he then sent his 12 disciples out. And they just said, hey, we met this guy who changed the world. He conquered even over death. And they told people about that. And, and, and it went from 12 disciples to 120 to 3,000 and 5,000 were added. And they say by 300 AD, there was about 80 million Christians in the world. And now there are some 2.3 billion people who claim the name of Christ. And I've heard that estimated by 2050, there will be over almost 3 billion. We are part of that chain of discipleship here. We may play a small part in our church and in our region of Denver, but it's an amazing part to play. That we all have part of this job to help people follow Jesus. C.S. Lewis, Lewis once wrote, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ. To make them little Christ's. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. If that was Jesus' mission, and that was the mission he gave his disciples, it's the same mission we have here as a church, to help people follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to be all about here. This whole series has kind of been leading up to this so that you can see what we're about. We're going to do everything here to help people follow Jesus, whether it's kids, teenagers, you, people that we don't know in our community. We want everyone, people of every race and ethnicity that's around us, all the nations that are here, we want to help them follow Jesus. That's what we're about here. And I want you to be a part of it too. We're going to have the band come up and lead us in the last couple songs. And we're also going to collect our offering now here at the end. And the reason why we're doing this, because in your, um, in your bulletin, there is probably one of these cards for Forward Faster. And if you're new to this church or you've never filled one of these out, on the back you'll see a time and talents form. Because we want you to use your gifts, your talents, your time to volunteer and help people follow Jesus. So I want to challenge you to fill that out today. Or, or if you want to start investing in this church because you're saying, hey, I want my money to go to help people follow Jesus, that's why we're collecting this offering now. And you can either give it to that special campaign we've been using. We're still trying to raise about $16,000 um, to do some uh, new things. Um, I'll tell you more about that next week. Um, but you can give to that or you can just say, hey, I'm going to start giving regularly to this church because I want to invest my money. Because when we invest our money in something, we're invested, Right? So I want this to be our mission. I want us to give our time, talents, and treasures to this mission because this is what we're all about as a church. And then we're going to praise our Father in heaven. So let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you loved us enough, that you cared about us enough to seek after us when we were lost. That you sent your son Jesus to seek after us, to start us on that journey, to saturate us in your love, and to send us out in this amazing, purposeful life that we can have. And I pray that as individuals and as a church, we can get in on this mission. That we would say that's what we're all about. Helping people follow Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us take part not just in seven baptisms, but in dozens, in hundreds. That we would see thousands of people come to know you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be able to invest our time, our talents and treasures right now and, and throughout our lifetime to see that come to pass. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.